The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Have you ever heard somebody that was in love say, oh, when they, when they called my name, I just about fainted? Well, there's kind of a similar sentiment in Song of Solomon 5, verse 6. It says, when uh, the beloved spoke, my soul failed when he spake. Uh, that's the bride seeking the bridegroom. And we're in Song of Solomon on Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper. And we are so honored that you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. And uh, Bert, um, we're going to be in Song of Solomon 5 and 6 today, but um, were you on the road preaching this weekend? In a uh, yeah, I was at the church, First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi, where I've been interim for about 10 months, matter of fact. Oh, wow. And uh, I've got two more Sundays that I'll be there. They got a new pastor coming. And uh, so things are going down from there, winding down, as they say. But we've had a great time, great church, and just had an awesome worship service Sunday. And I praise the Lord. But I, I was wanting to ask you, how'd you leave Texas, man? Uh, well, uh, there's always a, a little bit of my heart in Texas. I, I surely do love Texas. And in fact, one of the dear friends that uh, listens to our program, I was just on the phone with maybe an hour ago, a dear brother named Lee Puckett who listens. And I was there with uh, Joel Moore at First Presbyterian Church of um, San Angelo, Texas. And I was in several schools and got to be in front of a, a men's group. And it, it was just great. But I want to say... Um, well, we praise God for working and just a real strong presence of the Holy Spirit in all of these meetings and people, you know, praying for our country and just uh, making decisions for Christ. But I want to say how much we appreciate the listeners everywhere. And Bert, some of the people, he's probably listening, a dear man named Kevin Little who drove and came to many of our meetings, people that have listened to you and me for Oh, golly. Uh, one man said that he has listened since 2009, and that's got to be an award for one of the longtime uh, Exploring the Word listeners. But uh, to one and all, we love you down in Texas. Bert, i got to say this. So you're going to be at uh, Baldwin, uh, Mississippi, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, No, I right? won't be there Easter. Matter of fact, I'll be there Palm Sunday and then skip a Sunday and be there the 24th. The Easter Sunday, I am going to be in Mansfield, Louisiana. I'm going okay. to be there with Pastor Amador Santos and at the Magnolia uh, Baptist Church there. Uh, and we're going to have a great time praising the Lord. And uh, so it'll be a great time in April. And my wife, Jan, is speaking two or three different places in the month of April. So we've, we're, we're pretty busy in April, but it's Amen. a good time to do that, and we're praising the Lord. So, well, Alex, if people want to know where you're going to be, they can go to your website, can't they? Th that's right. And I want to say this upcoming Sunday, which will be Palm Sunday, I will be at a very historic church in Ohio, Landmark Baptist, Cincinnati, Ohio, Pastor Matt Holman, just a dear man of God, so Palm Sunday, Landmark Baptist, Cincinnati, and then a week from that, Easter Sunday, um, back in my home state of North Carolina, First Baptist of Asheboro, North Carolina, uh, which is some of you North Carolinians, you know where Asheboro is, that's the site of the North Carolina Zoo. 
But um, yeah, on alexmcfarland.com is my travel schedule. Got a great spring. And then one one quick thing, and we're going to be in Song, and Sol- Song of Solomon 5. Um, we've got our youth camp. And I was on the phone today, Bert, with Sammy Hudson down at the the North Carolina Refuge Camp, which is outside of Raleigh. Oh, it's beautiful. Amazing. Olympic swimming pool and all kinds of hiking and fishing. But we're doing our camp, our biblical worldview camp for teenagers. This is July 17th through 22nd. And Bert, here's what it is. A lot of fun. Great stuff. We're teaching teenagers how to defend their Christian faith. And I can't wait because I'll be there, a lot of people, a lot of music, food, campfire, but also, get this, Will and Mickey Addison. Amen. Won't that be awesome? Well, there'll be a little, if 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 Mickey <laughs> is there, there's some excitement there. i just tell you that, that girl can share the Word of God in spirit and in truth, and it'll be a blessing. Let me encourage all of you that are youth directors and parents, uh, get those students there. They need to know how to defend their faith. They need to know how why they believe what they do and place just saying, well, that's just what I've been taught. No, there's more to it than that. And and so let me encourage pastors also and youth ministers to to get into the Word and make apologetics a part of your routine in, in your pulpit. And in, it really helps because they say, well, they know it. They don't have to. No, they need to be equipped so they can give an answer. And so that's what this camp will do. It will encourage them. It will bless them. But it will equip them that they would be standing on solid ground. And speaking of solid ground, even the book of Song of Solomon, which is an unusual book, let me just share that with you. I think Alex and I both have talked about it, that when you look at other books, Song of Solomon, it's in the area of poetry, uh, which starts with Job, Psalms, and and, and and Proverbs, and then Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And the literature here is a little different than you find in other places, but it's still God-breathed, God-inspired, and it has some words for us. And I want to, you've already referred to verse 6. I want to refer, if you could, to verse 2, and then I'll pass it back to you to get us started here. But notice how he, uh, how the Shulamite refers to uh, uh, to the, the, the beloved, and it says, open to me, uh, and uh, this is him coming to her, and he's writing to it. But he says, as he knocks at the door, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. Now, I found those uh, references interesting. Well, how could you put my love and my sister in the same line, the same category? Well, the relationship that he wants is this relationship that a, a brother and a sister would have in being together and having things, so many things in common. But my love is the one that I have come to adore, to, to, to look at, and to just come to cherish and, and to love her. And so, Alex, this combination that I see in this book about a husband and wife and their relationship, two things, and I'll, I'll pass it on to you. Yes, you want that relationship of of intimacy between a husband and wife, but you also want that relationship of a friendship like it is by sister or brother. That friendship and that intimacy and the relationship of a husband and wife, that will do a husband and wife good, will it not? 
Well, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know what, talking about my sister, I looked that up because, you know, in verse 1 of chapter 5, when it says, my sister, my spouse, please understand this is not incest, okay? It's not far from might... Far from it. Exactly, yes. exactly. But, you know, I was reading in one commentary, and keep in mind, this is the Old Testament, so this, obviously, it predates the birth of the church, right? We, we know all the time we'll say, oh, you know, Bert, Bert Harper, he's my brother, because we're brothers in Christ. He's, you know, she is my sister in Christ. Even though this is centuries before Jesus and Pentecost, the birth of the church, there was, even in the Hebrew culture, a sense of we're brothers and sisters in the family of God. Isn't that something? So it is obviously it is the spouse, but it's also a sister in the family of God, uh, a a daughter of the covenant. What what's the covenant? The old covenant. Believe and trust because the Messiah is going to come. What is the new covenant? That I will take out your heart of stone and give you a living heart. Really, the new covenant, which is referenced in the Old Testament, the old covenant. Pre, you know, it prefigures being born again, being made alive in Christ. And so even this concept that um, the, the spouse I'm married to, um, yes, it's my husband or my wife, my spouse, but it's also my sister within the family of God. It is and, that relationship, Alex, and that is so important. And I, I want to drive it home, and I know I interrupted, but I want to drive that point home. To have your wife as your sister in Christ, to be able to pray together, to share together, and, and to and to look at things from a biblical worldview, Alex, uh, I, let me just tell you, I believe honestly that helps a marriage more than than a lot of the other things, intimacy, and even to have that agreed upon and looking together, it really seals that relationship to be much stronger, doesn't it? Well, it really does, and that's why, let me say, folks, you know, it talks about perfume and myrrh and his hands dropped with spice, and, you know, um, let me just say, there's something here to be said for personal hygiene and being clean and smelling good, but, but let me just say this, too. Treat your spouse with respect, because, you know, Romans 8 talks about that, um, you know, we are co-heirs with Christ uh, co-heirs, joint heirs uh, of eternal life. And sometimes, let me just say, don't take your spouse for granted and and be rude and short, because, yes, that is your husband, your wife, the person to whom you're married, but it's your sister in Christ. That spouse that, um, you know, sometimes men can be less than um, less than considerate, but remember, that's a child of God, that's a sister of in salvation, uh, a person uh, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. And so let's never forget that 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 spouse is not a piece of property we own. Um, They are owned by the Savior, and we have the privilege of walking through life together. Amen. Chapter 5 is, I I consider it kind of more obscure of the chapters. Uh, Is this a dream? Some of the commentators thought it's a dream, some a reality. But, uh, you know, he comes knocking at the door, 
And she says, I've taken off my robe. I'm in bed. I've washed my feet. I'm settled in for the night. I don't want to get up and answer the door. You know, that's that's the comment. I could not help but think of the persistent person knocking at the door that Jesus told because of their persistence. He got up and he said, I need to have some food. A stranger has come my way and I need to host him and I don't have any food. Give me the food. And it says because of his persistence, God would answer. Use that as a parable. Here, the answer doesn't come. And when she gets up and goes to the door, he's gone and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and miss the opportunity. Let me say this. Don't miss the opportunities God puts before us. Uh, Alex, be be watchful for the open window and the open door. You know, be watchful oh, yeah. for those things in all relationships. Well, and you know, it goes on in verse seven. It's really interesting. Uh, the bride is looking for the bridegroom, and uh, out, you know, and it says the watchman that went about the city found me, and and that's why some have said, well, is this like a dream? Um, that, you know, I couldn't find you anywhere. And, you know, that's sometimes one of the characteristics of dreams. You're in a panic and you can't find anybody. You think you're alone and says the watchman found me and they smote me, wounded me. It's almost like you're getting arrested because you're out wandering around at night. But that's how diligently the bride wanted to find the the bridegroom. And uh, the bride says, "Um, I'm telling you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved that you tell him that I'm lovesick. My heart is breaking. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, later on in 10 through 16, there's some just incredibly, and Bert, you hit it, to our ears it might sound unusual, but just some beautiful descriptions. Uh, The bride, comparing the bridegroom, the features, handsome, beautiful, unforgettable to the bride. But verse 10, it's not easy to not understand it. This is my beloved and this is my friend. That's the relationship that we're getting to, the relationship we want you to have with your spouse today here on Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Evelyn Romaley. Acting Assistant Secretary for Communications and Information at the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. Her agency advises the President on technological advancement and regulation. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of receiving good advice. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Evelyn Romaley as she advises the President. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says many people who think they're serving God are actually scoring points for the opposition. He'll share an example to illustrate his point today as we spend two minutes with Tony. There was a high school football game, and that was a fumble. And the other team picked up the fumble, but the guy who picked up the fumble ran it the wrong way. So guess what? One of his teammates tracked him down as he was running toward the wrong goal. 
and grabbed his legs and tackled him so that he would not score for the wrong team. We got some folk in here who need to be tackled. We got some folk in here who need some Christians to grab them and say, you're going the wrong way. You, you're praising God, but you're scoring for the devil. You're praising God, but you're scoring for the enemy. And that's why you need to be in a church where you got other saints who know how to tackle, who know how to track you down, grab you, tackle you, so you don't keep amplifying the enemy and amplifying the kingdom of hell in the midst of the kingdom of heaven. So what God is saying today is that he is the power. Daniel 11:32 says, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people who know God will see God do stuff, change stuff, flip stuff, help stuff, reverse stuff, heal stuff, provide stuff. The people who know their God, not just the people who go to church. The issue is, are we pursuing God? If you've never experienced what it's like to really know God, visit TonyEvans.org today and click on the link that says Jesus. You'll find complete information and free resources to help you. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope, and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Back to Exploring the Word. Let me just say a word, how much I appreciate those verses that are read all during the programming of AFR, especially this one here on Exploring the Word. And Alex, I think you know this. These are different employees here that work at AFR, at AFA, and, and they asked them, would you come and record a verse that means a lot to you? And that was uh, Marty Sparks. He is the guy that answers the phone. And if we were, you know, on radio and Rush Limbaugh, he'd be snurdly. I don't, those of you that know that, uh, if you don't yes, know yes. who that is or anything about it, you're probably young. But uh, so that was Marty. And what these Bible verses that I love it. It's one of my favorite things when I'm listening and they come up with one of these Bible verses and uh, it just, I said, man, I'm glad they, they shared that one. And uh, so I just wanted to throw out a thank you for our, Amen. you know, recording department, our special oh, people yeah. that do that and those employees that shared the verses. It's ministering to people, you know? Amen. Amen. Hey, you know what? Um, we, we love songs, and so many of the great songs are drawn straight from Scripture. Um, the song, Bert, do you remember that song? It's got a lyric, I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. The fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's all I need to cleanse and make me whole. Okay. From uh, Song of Solomon 2, verse 1, it says, He's the lily of the valley. Now, in 510, the bridegroom, and again, 
Um, this is allegory. I mean, there's love between a husband and a wife, Solomon and the Shulamite, but there's also the bridegroom, which is the Messiah, Christ, and the bride is the church. And of course, it would be some centuries before Jesus was born and the church was given. But in verse 10, it says, My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. And really, the wording there, the fairest. And I think of that old gospel song, He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. A uh, little, little verse here that inspired a songwriter once upon a time. And you find that all through scriptures, a phrase. Uh, and, and I was talking to someone about this morning uh, about the context and how do you do it. And I said, yeah, you look at the different kind of literature, uh, if it's poetry. And uh, I said, but it's so picturesque, and, uh, and, and it really does. That's why I think Psalms and, and Proverbs and, and Job and even Ecclesiastes, and then, like you said, if you read Song of Solomon and look at these, they'll speak to you hard, and they'll remind you of songs. They'll remind you of other verses. And so, again, like I said in verse 16, he is my, this is my friend, and, and he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Uh, and this is the whole idea that this relationship, and notice who they're declaring it to. They're de- he's, uh, the Shulamite, she's declaring it to the daughters of Jerusalem. She is letting them know, listen, this is who I love. This is who means the world to me. This is the one that's the best of 10,000, Alex. And because they, they're going to ask her, said, uh, why is this person so special? That's what they were asking. Why in the world are you so upset that you can't find him? No, he is the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. That relationship that you have with your husband, with your wife, that is a treasure, and you need to treat it that way. And uh, so that's the whole idea. And then, like you said, verses 11 through the rest of 16, it's using picturesque and, and that during that period of time of descriptions, of describing uh, his uh, attributes that she sees in him. And then you come to chapter 6, verse 1, it says... Where oh, can I say one you? thing? Yeah, go right ahead. Quick. Yes. Uh, just so many little tidbits. And folks, if you listen to Exploring the Word very much, you know, Bert and I quote a lot. Hopefully, we quote the Scripture more than anything. But beloved songs and leaders, well, there's this video by S.M. Lockridge about who is Jesus. You can watch it sometime. But he <laughs> hey, says, "Hey, let me warn you: if you watch it, you don't be driving while you're listening to it. You know." Oh, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> do you know my Jesus? And S. M. Lockridge, and just be ready to shout hallelujah because you will. I don't. I don't care how reserved you are. You might be very quiet and composed, but if you watch the S. M. Lockridge video, you will be doing shouts of hallelujah, but he says he is altogether lovely. Well, that's Song of Solomon 516. He's altogether lovely. And it's talking about Jesus. Yeah. And uh, indeed he is. Now, continue into six, but just these Thank little, you for that. Amen. These gold nuggets. They're, they're from, strong throughout. They're not pearls, aren't they? On a string? They are. On yeah. the Song of Solomon. And, 
and everybody says, who's it talking about? It's, it has a dual purpose. Yes, I believe with all my heart this is expressing uh, the Shulamite's thoughts for her husband, but it's also hidden in there concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of prophecies are that way in the Old Testament. When you look at like Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is talking about how David felt at that time, but at the same time it was prophetic that Jesus would take that and use that on the cross. So don't be too uh, narrow. Don't be real wide, but don't be so narrow that you miss all these word pictures for Jesus Christ. Alex, great point. Mm -hmm. Verse 6, where has your beloved gone, O fairest among women? Where has your beloved turned aside that he may seek him with you? My beloved has gone to his garden, to the beds of spices, to feed his flocks in the garden and gather the lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Alex, I love that. He feeds his flock mm-hmm. among the lilies. But that line, and I've repeated it several times, and it's repeated. I'm going to find those repeated ver- uh, words, aren't I? But it's yeah, repeated man. several times in Song of Solomon. Th- this should be the desire for a husband and wife, and this should be the desire for for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, concerning Christ, I could not help but think of John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, Alex, and I in him will produce great fruit. This yeah. is that relationship, abiding in him and he in me. It's that relationship that we have with Christ, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you know it says he has gone to uh, be among the lilies. Well, you remember in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, consider the lilies. You know, they neither toil nor spin, and, and yet God feeds and waters them and grows those. Uh, and so there's this reference to the lilies. And, and I want to just say this. Wherever you are, if Christ is in your home and in your family, um, it, it is like, and I don't minimize the stre- stresses of life, but let me say, wherever Jesus is, there are there's blessings you do live among the lilies uh and you as they they say stop and smell the roses because there's a fragrance when christ is head of the home wherever that home might be when when the lord is the lord of your family it is a a sweet uh fragrant desirable place to be now it's interesting uh you go on and uh 4 through 13 concludes chapter 6 of song of solomon uh Thou art beautiful, O my love, as Tirzah, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. All right, here's the thing. Tirzah was a Philistine city, uh, who, I'm sorry, a Canaanite city, but here's the thing. Of all things, it, it was outside of Jerusalem, and the name of, of Tirzah, T-I-R-Z-A-H, meant benevolent. Now, when you think of the Canaanites, you don't think of benevolence, but Bert, without spiritualizing too much, I'm trying to understand this, and you've got two extremes. Tirzah, which is north of Jerusalem, a Canaanite city. But then it says, uh, as comely or as beautiful and desirable as Jerusalem. So I'm trying to figure out like what to make of this, but one, one application that when the bride and the bridegroom have each other, it doesn't matter at home or abroad, there's peace and joy in good times and bad times. In a way, it's almost like verse 4 is saying, for better or for worse. Um, it's good. As terrible as an army with banners, the word terrible in the King James is really the Hebrew word for glorious. 
So here's one last point. I'm going to throw it to you, Bert. I want to say this. Um, the Bible says, Better is a few crumbs of bread with godliness than great riches and strife thereof. If you've got each other, husband, wife, and Jesus, maybe you're living in a very wonderful place. Maybe you're just struggling to get by. But you know what? In good times or in bad, uh, in sickness and in health, in peace or in struggle, on the mountaintop or in the valley, there is something glorious about you know Jerusalem or Tirzah um, in the city of, of God or out there in the wilderness. It's a beautiful thing when the bride and bridegroom have each other and they have the Lord. Amen. This Tirzah has the idea of agricultural beauty. Uh, it is further out Jerusalem, the temple being built. It's beautiful. And those of you that has gone, had their privilege of going to the Holy Land and especially seeing Jerusalem as you come over the Mount of Olives and you see it laid out before you, it is, it is a beautiful sight and it's glorious. The Terrace is agriculture. It's beautiful. And, and to see, especially even when it's growing, the greenery and all the different shades of green while things are growing or in the fall, while the different shades come in, of some of them darker than others, some leaves lighter than others, and you see the beauty of that, and then the awesomeness of this army marching with their banners. Notice it with their banners. It doesn't say singular banner. It's plural banners, and it's talking about the multiplicity of this, this beauty of, of, of the woman. And then, verse 5, he starts naming each one, the eyes, the hair, her teeth. And it goes on to describe, and verse 8 says, there's 60 queens, 80 concubines, and the virgins without number, but you're my dove, you're my perfect one, you're my only one. Alex, uh, he is the fairest of 10,000. Here it is again. Uh, mm -hmm. This is that relationship, and it does... I think, again, my relationship with the Lord, but your relationship with your spouse. Uh, Lord, give me eyes only for my wife. Men, I want to urge you to pray that. Summertime's coming on, and, and you know good and well it'll be people uh, scantily clad. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. And you say, okay, God, give me eyes only for my wife. Make that a pledge. Make it a covenant. Make a covenant with your eyes that you're going to look for your wife. And I, I believe in Solomon, when in, in his good times, I was reading this, you can learn from Solomon by his mistakes. He made more than he should have. But at his best moments, at Solomon's best moments, he was some kind of teacher. And this is one of his best moments when he is talking about the love he has for this woman. And he would have been much better off staying with her and lavishing his love on her. He would have stayed right with God and stayed right with them. So, Alex, we need to learn from people's mistakes, but we also don't, to, don't need to ignore the good that Solomon gave us in this wisdom passage, do we? Uh, well, I know, and, and th there is a lot here. Um, let me just say two quick things, and we're wrapping up chapter 6, if you're just tuning in. By the way, we're going to go to phone calls 
in a little bit. Whether you have a question about Song of Solomon or or any other Bible question, we'll do our best to give you an answer here in just a moment. And if you want to call in uh, or begin get in line, uh, it's 888 Um 888-589-8840. 6 and 7—well, uh, uh, no, verse 6, rather. You know, back then, this is ancient times, and there wouldn't have been a lot of availability of, of dental work. And so the, the bride is talking about the beauty— I'm sorry, the bridegroom is talking about the beauty of the bride. Um, Her teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from the washing, okay? Sheep just freshly washed, that would be very white, very beautiful, shiny even. Whereof everyone that bears twins, not a one is barren. No broken teeth, you know? I mean, and that's a blessing. You know, at that time, I mean, there wouldn't have been a lot of dental work available, and yet, you know, noticing every aspect of her beauty... Um, now, what's interesting is, Berta, and if I um, jump too far ahead, you feel free to go back, but the choicest one of the daughters, um, the daughter saw her, the queen's blessed her. Everybody says, oh my goodness, she is beautiful. What The total package, beautiful, godly. It's not hard to understand why the bridegroom is so much in love, right? All right. And then it talks about return, O Shulamite, return that we may look upon thee, what will we see in the Shulamite? Now, the King James says, as it were, the company of two armies, uh, meaning a very impressive sight. But some translations, and this is a little bit more accurate, it says, why would we gaze on the Shulamite as on the dance of the Mahanaim, M-A-H-A-N-A-I-M, the Mahanaim, and Bert, did you like look that up? I looked that up. That's a very fascinating yeah, thing. It is because it literally means the dance of the two camps. Right now, in Second Samuel two, there's a rivalry between the house of Saul and the house of David. Okay, the commanders of each one of their armies, Joab for David and Abner for Saul, they go into a battle and a skirmish, and yet they decide to make peace. So there's a couple of things worth saying. Um, there's a reference in the Old Testament of witnessing the dance of the Aha name. All right, it's peace. Bert, when two things that were estranged are now at peace, that's worth celebrating. God reconciled to man and through the, the Son. The movement is beautiful when they're in that peace together, Alex. A husband and wife in our relationship with Christ. That number, 888-589-8840. When you hear this. This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. This week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg, we'll learn how God's grace and his compassion toward us should guide all that we do, whether it's dealing with divisive people in our church congregation, determining how much to give, or anything else. That's this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. 
Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Jesus resurrected Lazarus, his and Lazarus' fame spread. They already planned to kill Jesus, but now, because Lazarus was tangible evidence of Jesus' resurrection power, the chief priests and Pharisees plotted to kill Lazarus, too. They never worried about Lazarus before, but now, because he is a walking billboard of Christ's power, they want him dead, too. This, brothers and sisters, is why many come against you. It isn't personal, but satanic forces can't stand your representation of God's power to transform lives. That's why we rejoice when we're slandered for his namesake. Christ's power is on display. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you, beyond the music. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you, and we're taking phone calls in this segment. We love the first two, but the added dimension of you asking questions in the third segments just lights up our day, and we're glad that phone calls are coming through. And so, Alex, are you going to be able to take us to the first phone call? I think so. We're going to go to Michigan and speak with Anne. Anne, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, thank you. Um, my question is, my I saw my daughter is reading a book called Changing Our Minds, and I was worried about it. It seems to talk about the Bible not being relevant now and about the LBGQIA issue, and now she tells me she's bisexual, and I, I brought up the verses about um, the heart is deceitful and that false prophets telling her this is a Christian thing because she says she's a Christian. And she said, I was being deceived by Satan because I didn't believe that she could be bisexual and also be a Christian. So mm. that just kind of scared me. Oh, Ann, uh, my heart goes out. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I was going to ask you, how old is your daughter? She's 24, and we, she went to a Christian Nazarene college, and there we raised her to be 
biblical, and at the college, it seemed like all it did was make her go in the opposite direction. She doesn't believe in Genesis anymore. She doesn't believe in the Old mm. Testament, and now this. And uh, we hear the pain. There's nothing as painful as being a parent, and there's nothing as gratifying as being a parent. And you're on that difficult road. Let me just share with you. You need yeah. to stick and in love. You need to stick to your truth about what God's word says. Let me just tell you about uh, not believing Genesis. I, I'm one of those that was taught, and I'm not going to go into detail where it was, but when I was taught Old Testament survey, not in college, not at Blue Mountain College, let me make that certain, I, they started in Genesis 12. They said the first 11 chapters with myth and legend, and uh, listen, I fought through those briars. It wasn't even tempting for me to believe such a thing because Jesus, Jesus has said it. And in the spirit of love, stay with what you know the Bible teaches. Share with her that, listen, I love you and I care for you, but you are believing something that is destructive and hurtful, not something that will help mm -hmm. you. And she might say, well, this is the way I am. This is how I feel. Listen, you, feelings are very unsure, aren't they, Alex? They are, Anne, and everybody listening. And, and, and by the way, let me just say this. You mentioned a book. Uh, the book you mentioned, I'm not going to mention the name or the author because I don't want to give any publicity. I, I'm very familiar with the book. Let me just say, folks, a cottage industry has arisen of authors and books trying to somehow reconcile sexual immorality and the Bible. You can't have it both ways. Uh, you, there's the way of God and the Word of God, or there's the way of all flesh. And then there's so many colleges, even allegedly religious schools, that tear down the Bible and tear down the faith of young people. But I want to give a website, and this is a colleague I've known for 20 years, uh, Ann Palk. P-A-U-L-K, and the Restored Hope Network. Uh, folks, check out this website, the Restored Hope Network. Dr. Dobson endorses them, Dr. Michael Brown, um, uh, Joe Dallas, myself, and Ann Park and her scholars have written extensively. I've spoken at a number of their conferences, and they've got some of the best, most brilliant minds in Christendom that are helping families and parents stand strong for what the Bible says. Just, uh, and all I can say at this point is, when you train up a child in the way they should go, very often there might be a season of falling away, maybe even decades. But Bert, um, we cling to that promise, and I've got legions of stories of when they are old, they will not depart from it, they'll, they'll come back. But Bert, I, I really think the, the satanic deception of our age is sexual sin. It has been. Yeah. It started in the 1960s, the 60s revolution, and it has gone from one thing to another all the way. Free love that they talked about in the 60s. I'm old enough. I wasn't a teenager then, but I, uh, most of that, I was a child, but I remember it and reading about it. And we're going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for Anne. Give her assurance that she is standing on solid ground with the Bible. Give her the assurance that she can pray 
for her daughter and you hear her prayers and while she is praying you are working in her daughter's life she may be pulling away she may be rebellion but father i pray that you would continually draw that daughter unto yourself and father i pray you would bring some heartache into her life concerning these things that she's believing gomer did not turn around when everything was going lovely even though she was in sin but when things started falling apart for the prodigal son, when everything started falling apart in this lifestyle that they chose that was rebellious, that was destructive, then they stopped and looked at their life and they remembered what they were taught. So, Father, I pray that you'd bring this daughter to that place, stopping in her life to examine and seeing and seeing what's in truth. We pray this in Jesus' mm. name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go to Arkansas and speak to Nikki. Nikki, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, hello. Um, I just had a question about Revelation uh, 1, uh, where it talks about, and I'm driving, so I don't have the Bible in front of me, but about uh, being blessed if you read this. Can you, is that about wisdom of reading the prophecy of Revelation? Can you just uh, tell me about that? Alex, far as I know, it stands by itself that you're blessed by reading it. I think one of the blessings is having an understanding of, of, of some future events. I really do. But I think it also has the idea, the, the wisdom and the knowledge that God is working in all circumstance. So you're blessed in what you receive while you read it. Go ahead, Alex. Well, yeah, this is Revelation 1, verse 3. Very interesting. Uh, blessed is the one who reads this, who hears this, and keeps the things in this prophecy. Having been written, I love the way the Greek renders this, for the time is near. And so um, there is happiness, there's blessing in the reading of the book of Revelation. You read it, you internalize it, you are mindful of it, you keep it. Uh, why? Because the time is near. And my goodness, uh, if the time of Christ's return was near in 96 A.D., well, it's nearer than ever in 2022. Would you agree, Bert? It is. Now, what's happening, it's always been around. There's nothing new under the sun. But it is widespread. We've had the persecution. We've had all that. Look what took place in the Sudan earlier. Look what's taking place in Ukraine right now. But there's a there's a more of a world system and and the world is gravitating to it. That lets you know, I think, the time is near, and I guarantee it's nearer than it's ever been before. Tom in North Carolina, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, good to have you. I'm, I've been uh, struggling with um, a visiting pastor about several weeks ago who preached a couple sermons in a three-day revival, and they uh, we some some of the congregation discovered that they were um, they're almost exact sermons of someone else's, and no one knew that. And then when it was brought to the deacon and the pastor, not the, not the visiting pastor, but the resident pastor, um, the visiting pastor basically <laughs> said, "You know, this is this is everyone does this." It's you know, he even quoted Adrian mm. Rogers um, using so, someone else using my bullet and your gun if it works. Um, and I'm just struggling because I, I think, as a new Christian, I think I need to um, 
you know, I, I do need to bring it to his attention, whether he likes it or not. And, and I do it with love, but I'm just struggling with that. Okay, Tom, thank you for your call. Mm. Listen, we, we struggle with you. I, I just want to share with you to keep from that happening. I'm not, I, if God leads you to say something, do it in the spirit of love. You might want to take someone with you when you do that, but do it in that spirit and uh, be ready to receive an answer. Uh, don't necessarily be ready to condemn. Be ready to receive an answer and see what he says and see if it does satisfy. It may not, but it could. Alex, go ahead. Well, Proverbs 5.15, now this is talking about being faithful to your spouse, but Proverbs 5.15 says, drink water from your own will. And let me just say, it bothers me too. I've heard it before, and it really, uh, you know, I just, um, it's one thing to say, you know, I was doing some research, and here's what Adrian Rogers said about this, or here's what Chuck Swindoll said, but to get up there and preach somebody else's work as if it were your own. Bert, that makes my stomach turn too. Well, what you see, say. Well, a lot of the times, the outline, if you're an outline preacher and you do it, you're going to come up with a very similar outline. And what I did, because I'm an outline preacher, I want to see it, and I usually have three or four points with subpoints. Sure, and to keep sure. from me doing that, what I try to do, I read the passage first. And then I, I do my best to outline it, and then I start reading other people. And somebody else, I'll find out if you divide it up, a lot of times there's going to be similar. But using illustrations without giving credence to them, to use the same terminology is, I, I, I agree. But let me give you an example, guys. I'm going to try my best. I'm not defending. I understand where y'all are coming from. But I knew I, this story is one of the best stories I ever heard. This is in England. When, when uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was preaching, th- he would preach, and, and the paper would be there with their dictator, and they would take down every words, and then they would sell those papers. The country preachers that had not been any training in, they did not know Greek. They did not know Hebrew. They didn't never take a homiletic course. They hadn't taken a survey of New Testament or Old Testament. They had dug in, but they were new. They would get Spurgeon's sermon, and they would put it in there using Dr. Rogers, and I heard him say it, putting it in his gun and shoot it, and they would go out and they would share that, and thousands were being saved, guys. So with all my heart, I want to say there's a balance to that and try to find that balance. But plagiarism straight out, taking credit for it, using that same illustration without giving credit to that, I, I think it is wrong. Tom, thanks for being an astute listener. Uh, and and keep, keep those folks in prayer, if you would. Well, we're going to go to uh, A.J. in Alabama. Uh, A.J., thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir, Mr. Alex. God bless you and uh, Bert every day. God bless you guys, man. Bless for you, my friend. And telling the truth. And I just wanted to ask something. I, I think I already know the answer, Alex, but I said I want to run this. I thought about this last week. I just told you, uh, Screener, I said, now, I know Solomon was still in the flesh, but he was supposed to be the wisest man, right, to ever live. Yes. How did he make so, and Bert, you mentioned it, how did he make such whopper, whopper mistakes with the 300 wives, <laughs> the 700 concubines, and when he when he married those women, they brought their gods with him. And you know, because of King David's sake, God didn't snatch the entire kingdom from him. But how does the wisest man ever live Make make whop a, a whopper like that. I mean, that's 
That's a huge. I know hey, Jay, you're right. Amen, you're right on, man. Thank you. Let me say this: <laughs> having your heart turned, having your heart turned, even if you're wise, you're you know scriptures, you can memorize scriptures from a youth. Having your heart turned will make you look foolish. Alex, uh, his heart was turned, wasn't it, from God? It, it, exactly. Um, and, you know, it really began when he took an Egyptian daughter from Pharaoh for political reasons, really. And um, his heart burned with lust. And ultimately, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And many were foreigners. And like A.J. said, brought in false gods. Um, Solomon was the wisest man because, you know, he um, asked God for wisdom. God gave it. But I'm going to say, and while, you know, we admire Solomon, he also did some of the most foolish things. And so what do we make of this? Well, you read Ecclesiastes, and, you know, before the end of his life, Solomon, it, it appears, soundly did turn back to God. And you and I have taught through Ecclesiastes. But, Bert, um, may, maybe perhaps one of the lessons of the life of Solomon is even even the best of people can, can be blind sometimes. Yeah. And... And sometimes his greatest strength, okay, he had all this wisdom from God, but maybe he became weak because he became self-confident. And, um, you know, 1 Kings 11 talks about that Solomon let his foreign wives and their gods, little g, um, they, they built altars to the false gods in Jerusalem. My goodness, Solomon, come on, man, what are you thinking? I mean, you know? Yep. Listen. Crooked thinking, it leads to destruction. That's the whole idea, AJ. And he started thinking crooked. I don't care how wise he was, how educated he were. My dad said, my dad was a wise man. He, he warned me. He said, Bert, the biggest fools are the educated fools. And, and mm. that is so true because they start believing what the lies, Alex. And, and so, yeah. listen. I don't mean we gotta to stay say humble. Be, yeah, and let me add a word to that. Simple. Don't, I mean, we yeah. try to make so many things too complicated. You're saved by grace through faith. That is it. Know that. Nail it down. God made man. He made woman. Distinct. Amen. Completely. Stick to the simple things, and it will keep you humble, Alex. I really believe. It you will. won't think more highly than yourself than you ought. Steve in Kentucky, please call back tomorrow and all the others. Hey, by the way, an hour from now, I'll be guest hosting the Hamilton Corner if you want to tune in. I'll be on an hour from now. You got? You mean you got more material, Alex? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I know you will. Well, thank you. We hope that you'll listen to Alex. Uh, it'll be 5 o'clock Central Time, and uh, he always has a great opportunity to use the Word of God and the issues of the day. Thank you for listening to Explore the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.